Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. We have so much to celebrate. Uh, I just kind of wanted to share a little something real quick. We're going to show a video in a minute or so about uh, about a nine-minute video <clears throat> put together <clears throat> of our trip in, in, in Cuba. And uh, we're going to share a little bit of what happened there. If I get to it, I have a, a, a little bit of uh, some scripture that I want to get into at the end to encourage you. Because, you know, you think about a country <clears throat> like Cuba, and I come from a Cuban family as well. I know not everyone here does, but a lot of you do. And... Um, you know, you hear stories, and you hear stories from your grandparents or from your parents, and, and uh, the stories of Cuba, the stories of Cuba of old. Um, and, and, you know, it, it brings this joy into your heart when you hear these stories of this land. They almost, how many of you would um, admit this with me, right? Like, they almost speak of it like, like, if it's ma- like if it's a magical place, you know? Like if it's almost like a promised land, and you're just like... Dude, was there, was, there, was there honey there, you know, milk, you know, was there, you know, uh, is it the promised land as, as the spies were looking into Canaan and looking for milk and honey? And, and sometimes they speak of Cuba with such intensity and love and desire. And um, it's, uh, it was amazing to, to step foot uh, from Cuban blood into a land for the first time and to see the land of my ancestors. And... Uh, but the most powerful thing was to be able to see the family, the, the house of God, the people of God, um, and their praises and their words and their lifestyle and how they live for Christ in this place. Um, one of the things I want to kind of just leave you with here before we watch the video is on our way to Cuba, one of our pastors from Puerto Rico were with us, and um, she was sitting, sitting right next to me. And I said, you know, my desire is I want to see how the Cuban Christian, how they handle this word and how they handle this, the, the, their theology when it comes to the word of freedom. I want to see how they believe in freedom, how they teach on freedom, how they speak about freedom, how they sing about freedom. What are their thoughts about freedom? And those are my exact words on the plane. As soon as we landed from the first church that we visited, from the first conversation we had, to the last church we visited, to the last conversation we had, every single word, every single song, everything was about freedom. Um, To the point that one of the churches that we went to go visit, the first church we went to go visit, it was a Friday morning and it was slam-packed. It was full of people. They had been fasting for it. We ask you guys to fast for five days and sometimes it's a headache for some of you. These people have been fasting for, th- for three months. And they've, they, they've been coming to church every single morning having this revival. And they came on Friday morning and they jammed up the place. And guess what's the song that they were singing and they were jumping and they were just singing songs. And they were all smiling. They're in Cuba and they're smiling and they're hugging and they're singing, I live it in la casa de Dios. I live it in la casa de And they're singing, there's freedom in the house of God. And I'm looking at them. And the pastor that went with us, Pastor Wanda, she looked at me and she says, there's your answer. God is starting to answer you already. And every church that I was able to speak at and every pastor that we were able to talk to, one of the things that I always said was this. I said, 
I've experienced here in five days or three days, however long I was there at that moment, I've experienced here in my days here more freedom than I have in my 38, my 38 years in my country. And I have to be very sensitive when I say that because I know I have Cuban families here. And I come from a Cuban family that if I say that, it could hurt their hearts. Because they, they, they had, they, everything was taken away from them. And, and I understand that. And there's empathy in this heart for that. But what I mean by that is I saw something that no government, I saw something that no man, and I saw something that not even no gun can take away. And it was that they experienced an internal freedom. And I started to recognize because they have little, they've learned to have much with God. And I've been able to see them live with such great freedom. Because I'm a Cuban-American, I went even with the mindset of negativity in a sense towards the Cuban people. But when I got there, being a Cuban-American, I fell in love again with my uncles, with my aunts, with my cousins, with everyone that's in that land. The Cuban person is a beautiful person. And the Cuban Christian is a beautiful person. And there is such a move of God from there. We're going to talk more about the move of God now in a minute. Uh, but I hope you enjoy this video. You're going to see Christians smiling. You're going to see them persecuted. You're going to see them, they live in little shacks, if you want to call them that. Some of them, not all of them. Uh, but compared to your homes, the, the best one there, probably you would compare it maybe to a shack. But they live in, 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 in not luxurious places at all. Um, as you could imagine, right? But the beautiful thing is they are so alive and they're so rich and they're so free spiritually. And, um, and I want to believe that, not just for, you know, we're doing Cuba and Cuba Libre and all that, but I'm believing that even for people in this room where maybe, you know, these words that came out during worship today where you might feel so bound, but you have no idea, man, there is a God that wants you to really and truly and fully understand what it means to live in freedom that you could actually worship in freedom and live in freedom and love in freedom and walk around even in this country in freedom. And it doesn't determine about the laws of the land, but it's about the laws of the spirit that happens within you. And that there is a freedom and that you literally walk in the freedom of Christ. I pray that if you don't know such freedom, that even today you come to experience a mighty freedom that is a gift from heaven. And that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Our brothers and sisters in Cuba in the Christian church are experiencing it. And there's churches, I'm going to explain it to you now after the video, um, opening up every day all over the place. The, the gospel and the ministry and the, and the church is spreading rapidly throughout Cuba. And um, I, want, I want to see that same thing happen right here in our community, right here in our country, right here in our land. I want to see the gospel spread and churches open all over the place for the sake of the kingdom. Amen. So I hope you enjoyed this video. It's nine minutes, and when the video ends, Astrid's going to come up here. Lou's going to come up here. I'll come up here, and we're going to share a little bit about our experience. I'm going to share a little something at the end. Enjoy the video. I think it's going to just open your heart, open your mind, and say, speak to me. And I, and I pray that, that you're really blessed by this video. Amen? Enjoy. Hallelujah. There you go. You get to uh, see snippets of... Of, of what happened there. I'm going to ask Astra to come up and Lou to come up here and just join me. Praise the Lord. Oh, yeah. And um, as they get ready to, to share a little bit, good? Astrid. Man. 
Um, as they get ready to share a little bit, what you got to see was you got to see some snippets of, of, of what we were doing in Cuba. Now, we're going to share a little bit of the story, and they're going to share. I, I, I didn't ask them to tell me what to share, what they were going to share, but they're going to share things that happened personally and some of their stories of how we ended up in Cuba, and I'll, and I'll come in after, or we'll go in and out. But just so you could have an idea of why Cuba, and um, I want you to know my heart behind, um, behind that. And it has nothing to do that, that that I'm a Cuban or, or anything like that. And Astrid, for example, she's Colombian. So it has nothing to do with that. It's, it's really when we tell you the Holy Spirit, when we tell you that God really opened up the door and, and, is, and led us there, and um, we'll, we'll see what the future holds. Uh, we just leave it in his hands. It's really obvious that God is doing something special here. Um, so, so, I'm gonna, so in the video, you got to see snippets of what we did. We were there for five days, and you could even ask them. For five days, it was nonstop from when we woke up to when we went to bed. I don't remember anything when we went to bed. All I remember was I would close my eyes, and instantly I was in a deep sleep. So you know you've had long days when instantly you go into a deep sleep. But every, every day we had something. We, we visited a hospital um, with kids that were terminally ill. Um, some of them are not going to make it. Their families were broken. We would walk into rooms, and the families would just start crying, and we'd be able to share the gospel and, and pray for them. Um, we were the first Americans uh, that, that, that were allowed into that hospital, that was specifically the one we went to. So God's favor was all over it, and we had favor. We just walked in as the first Americans in that hospital to share Jesus. <laughs> Unreal. Um, and we, we met in a total of five days. We sat and hung out and spoke and got to hear from 40, 40 plus pastors, 40 plus pastors. That's, that's, that's very difficult to do in Cuba. And we were able to sit down with 40 pastors and hear them and talk to them and pour into them. You saw some of those small settings. Some of those small settings were all pastors. Um, and one day alone on Monday, our last, uh, one of the last days there, just that day alone, we, we sat with 30 pastors just on that day. So sometimes they would say things to me like, nosotros queremos escuchar del pastor ahora. They would share a vision. They would share what God's doing. And then they would share something like everyone would speak, and I would stay quiet sometimes, and they would say, we want to hear from the pastor now. And sometimes I would just say, I, I, I couldn't even talk because my mind was still processing so much throughout all these days, and they could all relate to that. It was just so much beautiful things, so much information, that when something was being presented to us, like one of the ministries is a clown, a bunch of, they're clowns and they go and do therapeutic clown work in the, in the ministry, in the, in the hospitals. Like I couldn't answer them. I was like, I'm still processing the first sentence that you said. So, so Cuba was a lot of that, a lot of beautiful things happening there. So I'll pass it to, to Astrid, I guess. You could start off and they'll go first, second, third. They'll figure it all out. And then... Um, we'll all right. Go. So anybody that knows me uh, closely knows that I have a heart for Cuba. I'm pretty obsessed with Cuba, and a lot of it has to do with I'm Cuban-American, but also lately, the past like two or three years, work-wise, I've just been bombarded with projects. I do video for a living, and I've been bombarded with projects that relate to Cuba. Um, I mean, Adrian and Charlene know at the yard, sometimes I show them some stuff that I work on, and, and my friends here know when I show them the work. My family knows as well. Um, so it's amazing just the timing of this and things that I've been involved with with work, and then also a big part in my passion and love for Cuba is because of my grandmother. And she's here today, and I want to honor her and thank her. She, she's not going to like this, 
but um, she recently turned 90 years old the day we got back from Cuba. So I want to honor her and thank her and tell her that I love her. Um, so, I mean, my biggest obsession with her is always just asking her about Cuba and asking her for stories, and she has some pretty amazing stories that she's told me over the years. So I, I understand the pain, and I understand um, the heartbreak, and I understand everything that everybody lost, and all of that weighs really heavy on my heart, even though I didn't live it. Um, I understand it. And like Pastor Rigo said, um, we got there with that understanding and with a lot of negativity in our minds. And I went in almost like with the same thought of, of wondering how these people are going to worship, how are they going to respond to freedom. And right away, it was, it was true what he says. It was every church that we went to, the theme was freedom at every single place that we went to. And um, honestly, I... I, I I was just floored by every, everything that God did on that trip. Like, for example, one of the small things just for me was that the pa one of the pastors that we met there, within no time we start talking, and, and he ends up being, like, a very big into video production and stuff like that, and I'm just there freaking out. He's talking about potentially making a film one day in Cuba. I'm like, they make films here? Like, I, didn't, I, didn't, I had no idea. Um, but um, the thing I think that impacted me the most was that in a land that I thought I wouldn't see freedom at all, I saw freedom in Cuba. And that might sound really controversial and it might sound weird because you weren't on the trip with us. Um, but I think that even though they might not have a physical freedom, they have a really great spiritual freedom and the people that are in Christ, they're living outside the bounds of government and outside the oppression of government. And they're operating in like a spiritual freedom like I've never seen before. And that, to me, was something that I didn't expect to see. I expected, I almost expected for the government to translate into the church, but it, it didn't. And, I mean, that's supposed to be kind of how we operate. Obviously, we respect the law, but we operate outside the bounds of law. You could even see it in Scripture. We don't, we're not bound to Old Testament law. We're free in Christ. So, um, I saw them operating like that. It was like the book of Acts to me. It reminded me so much of that, of just home churches and just one church spawns, like, I don't know how many pastors, and then it multiplies like nothing. Um, so that, that really impacted me a lot. I, um, there was one specific moment on the trip where we were at a, at a church, um, and Pastor Rigo shared. And at the end, we had an altar call. And the altar call was, it was like the whole church went up. <laughs> it, it wasn't like half the church. It wasn't like 20 people. It was like all 80 of them or 100 of them. <laughs> So between the four of us, we had to pray for all these people. And, I mean, I lost count how many people I prayed for. I'm sure they feel the same. Um, and it was powerful. Like, God was moving. People were in tears and crying. And um, I just remember feeling at a moment where I was just very tired and my, I was thirsty. I, I, it came to a point, yes, I, I was fulfilled and I was, I was doing the Lord's work and I, I had joy. But... Eventually, after I don't know the fifteenth person, I was I was just wanting something to drink. I was I was all, imagine we're all sweaty. There's no AC. We're tired, tears and sweat and hugging. And I remember specifically thinking that I that I was thirsty. And there was a lady that came up to me to pray, to ask for prayer. And I pray I pray for her and and God was moving. But at the end, after I prayed for her, she told me, I specifically came up to you to ask you for prayer. And it wasn't by chance that I just happened to be in your line. Um, and it was because I had a word specifically to give you. And um, she gave me a word that was so personal and so deep and so profound 
that I broke down and this 70 year old lady that I've never met in my entire life, she was holding me up because I was crying so much. And um, that's something that only God could do. I mean, I, the least thing I expected was to encounter that in Cuba and I'm gonna let Astrid share a little bit and then if I remember anything else, I'll share again. I'm going to start with how I believe God was working in different areas with different people. I will share my part. When um, everything started, when we moved to the apartment that we live now, right now, so I have a, like, it's like a, I would say a shield, I, I don't know. So I wanted to put something next to it, and I was looking for wings. And I looked, somebody told me to look up in Offerop for the wings. And I didn't know the application well at that time, but I looked it up, and there was a lady selling wings to, they were gold color, and I didn't want that color. So either way, I asked, how much do you want for the wings? And she gave me the price, it was too much for me. And I said, no, okay, but I left it there. Two months later, the lady sent me a message asking me, are you still interested on the wings? Because I, this is the last day to get them. So I said, oh, that's strange. Let me answer. So I said, okay, yes, I want the wings. And she said, okay, come over and get them because this today is the last day. Okay. She gave me the address, whatever, I went there. When I got to the place, it was um, a place like this. So I walked in and I saw the wings hanging on uh, the wall and I picked them up. I was like, oh, these are my wings. But when I turned around, I felt the spirit in that place. And I was like, ah, oh, this is funny. And I asked the lady, excuse me, why are you closing this place? What, what is this place? Because I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. And she said, oh, wonderful. Sit down and let's talk. This is a place of worship. Your wings are blessed because we have been here for, I don't know, maybe seven years. And we have praised the Lord. So it's good that you recognize that, that you can feel the Spirit here. So we started talking and said, oh, I do mission trips. I'm going on a mission trip to Colombia. And she said, oh, I do mission trips to the Bahamas and to Cuba. And when she said that, I was like, oh, I go to a Cuban church, a church where most of the people are Cubans. And I would love, I, that's one of my, those were my words, I would love to bring the church to Cuba. And she said, do it. I have the connection. I have the pastor. I will help you with whatever you need. Tell your pastor to call me. And I was like, okay, I will tell him. So, and that's, that was a Friday. And San, on Sunday, I came over and I said, Pastor Rico, you have no idea what happened to me. And I started talking, but he didn't, it was after, after service. I have to speak with you. The wings and this lady, and she wants to speak with you. And, and he was like, okay. And we're going to Cuba. There's a, a mission trip to Cuba. He was like, wait, 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 wait. Because somebody spoke to me about Cuba this week. Two other people spoke to me about Cuba. And I said, but we have to speak. This is the number of the lady. You have, please, please talk to her. Can you please call her? He was like, yes, I will call her. That was done. Like two, 
Three months later, I came over and I started talking to him about it, but he was working on, he was orchestrating everything. So it wasn't the time. Then I came back, I would say three, two months later. But this time I was going to talk to, I wanted to invite him to come with us to our mission trip to Colombia. So I started talking to him, I, Pastor Rigo, I, I want to know if you can come with us to Colombia. And he was like, let's do it. I call and I was like, oh, he's coming. I went to the people that I'm going on the mission trip to Colombia and they said, the pastor is coming, super. That was it. A month later, I came back, Pastor Rico, I have to tell you when the trip to Colombia is going to be. So we sat down, he was like, yes. I'm, I had separated the day and everything. And then we started talking to, about Cuba. He was like, if, for example, we will have a ministry, uh, mission trip ministry here at the, at the church, what would you say that will be the, our first trip? Where is that, where do you feel that the spirit is calling us to go? And I say, Cuba. He was like, why did you say that? And I was like, I don't know, Cuba, because it was that's been Cuba. We have the connection. You have, we have the pastor. You have, did you call the lady? Yes. <laughs> so, and they said, okay, we're going to Cuba. And then everything started opening up. One thing and another and another pastor. And I spoke with the pastor in Cuba and he was happy and everything came out. The wings, I don't know if they showed it. So, if they do, they'll, play, they'll, they'll show them now so, you could, so they can see it. And we, we, we were saying that, there they are, those are the wings in her living room. <laughs> now, the, the beautiful thing about these wings are, uh, is that these, they're so symbolic because she went for wings to buy them for her living room. But what happens is these wings are actually kind of what flew us into Cuba. It was actually the open door because through these wings is our first connection in Cuba and it's the pastor that we stayed with it's uh you saw him in the video he was there a lot and we stayed with him at his house and we went to visit some a lot of his churches a lot of his pastors and um, it all started with some angel wings so it, it's almost like God used those wings and those wings is what landed us in in Cuba so it's pretty amazing and one thing that really 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 impacted me was that the way they want to share the word of God. It's like, it's in them. That's their mission. That's their passion. They have Bible studies. I, I run a Bible study in my house. I, and I have to call the people, come over, accuse this. They don't do that. They just tell them, we will be here on Monday. We'll be here on Wednesday. We'll be here on Friday. And the people show up. How many people? 15, 20, 25. And it's like, they want that. They are hungry for the word. They, they are thirsty for the word. They want to be there. They want to share it. They, they, one pastor walks two miles one way to a Bible study, walks five miles to the other Bible study, and goes on a bike for two hours to a different Bible study. And we have cars. We have air conditioner. We have everything. But we find excuses, excuses for not, oh, I'm tired, I'm busy, I'm, it's too late, it's, I'm hungry. These people go on their feet. 
they don't care, but because their mission is to share the word, is to share the love that God had poured into their lives. Because you can feel love. It's pure love. It's an explosion of love. The Holy Spirit moves in that, in the churches that don't even have floor, don't even have anything. But it moves that it's contagious. I am, my God. I thought that I was going there to minister people. The minister was, the minister, my, my heart is full, full. I came back full. And I believe all of us. And we're going back. <laughs> and obviously we're talking about, I mean, I'm making it clear, but they're not free there. And just something, for example, like juice. One of the days we, we were trying to buy, buy juice for the kids to take to the hospital so that so we're doing like a little birthday party. There was a cake and stuff like that. And we couldn't find juice anywhere. So we went to like four different grocery stores looking for juice. And finally, at the last grocery store we went to, we found juice. And it wasn't even hardly anything left. And it was like some Gatorade and that was about it. And that to me, it just, I mean, I, I broke down the other day when I, I just going to Publix here because we have so much in abundance. And I, I was at Publix and I was looking around. I'm like seeing all these brands and all these things that we have and we take for granted. And Cuba, it's like you're lucky if you have, if you even have it. And if you do have it, it's all the same one brand of one thing. Um, so that, that really impacted me a lot too. Um, just seeing like how joyful they are in their, in their lack. Um, sometimes here we have so much abundance and we lack more than people who lack physical things, which to, to me, that, that's still speaking to me. I'm still trying to process that. I know coming back fresh from a trip, things are exciting and, and stirring. And then after a while, things sort of fade and dwindle again and you go back to the routine and you get busy and stuff. But I know that this trip for me was definitely a monumental, life-changing trip that I think I'm going to take with me uh, forever. And um, one of the things I wanted to mention as well was just seeing like the pastures over there, like how, how much unity they have. Here, everything is sort of like separated into denominations. And I mean, maybe Pastor Rigo could speak more to this, but I felt over there like there's different denominations, but within that, they all meet together and there was somewhat an effort for unity where it was not necessarily, yes, they have the division, like not division, but it, separations between them. But there was a day that we met with, I think it was like 20, some, 20 pastors or maybe a little bit less. And they were all from different denominations, just 30 different pastors. And they're all from different denominations getting together to fellowship and, and spend time in the word and to hear and, and, and share. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I necessarily hear those things happening in the U.S. where different Christians, regardless of differences in, 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 in belief, could come together, you know, and just spend time in the word and with each other. Um, you want to share a little bit? You guys want to stay up here? Thank, thank you, Lewis. Thank you, Astrid. Amen. And, and, and Lou. Um, and this guy, let me tell you, to have a bonus to preach in Cuba about freedom, and you know the governmental principle over there, so to speak about freedom, that takes a lot of, I, I don't even know, the, the Holy Spirit works. Don't say the you. word. <laughs> it's worthy of honor because. Thank you for that, though. It takes a lot. A lot of beep. And it's <laughs> 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 ah, yeah, yeah. 
Bueno, somos cubanos, vamos a hablar como cubanos entonces, ¿verdad? Gloria a Dios. Bueno, um, <laughs> amen. Mm. You know, something that was special about this is um, when Astrid was, was sharing it about the wings and all that, and we had that second meeting about missions and what it looked like, and it looked like it was going to be Colombia, and then she says Cuba, and then I said, why did you say that? Right there, that was a very defining moment for us. That was a defining moment for all of us, for our church, uh, because it was, the, it, was, um, it was like the last straw, whatever the saying is, and we knew that right there was the Lord making the decision for us. And the reason why I say that is because I said it here openly and, 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 and talking about like, hey, we're going to go to Cuba to test, to test two individuals in this church. One of them is not here today. But, but you know, on, on a Saturday um, morning for some reason, I was up in prayer. This was about a, over a little bit over a year and a half ago. And I was, I was in prayer and I was in the presence of God or whatnot. And as I was praying, I found myself praying for Cuba. And I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, I think that was probably the first time I've ever prayed for Cuba. And I remember that as, I don't know if you've ever gone through this, if you've ever prayed for something, and as you're praying it, you're like, why am I praying for this? So as I was praying, I remember in my mind saying, this is weird. Why am I praying for this? You know, what's happening? I'm like, did I hear something about Cuba recently? Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm, uh, so I, whatever, I just left it alone. I just felt inside, that was weird, but I prayed for Cuba. The next day was Sunday, and I came to church, and Natalie Machado um, came up to me. We were just having a conversation, forgive me. And as we were having a conversation, it was like a light bulb went off. And she says, oh, my gosh, I've been wanting to tell you something for two weeks. But right now, I just remembered as I was talking to you. And then she said, I had a dream. And in our dream, we were, we, we were filled with joy. We were smiling and we were doing God's work. And we were in Cuba. And we were doing God's work and smiling. And when Natalie, Natalie told me that, I was, I was in shock. I said, are you kidding me? And she goes, why? What happened? I said, you had it for two weeks, this dream. And you decided to tell me today And just yesterday, I had a weird moment praying for Cuba. And I have no idea what it meant. And now you're telling me I had a dream and we were all in Cuba. So that was Sunday. I believe it was Monday the next day. I'm coming to church in the morning. And, um, and I get a text message from Vanessa Lozano. And Vanessa Lozano said, hey, I, I kind of wanted to run something by you. And she sends me this text. And she says, I'm unpacking. I just got, and I'm just summarizing, not word for word like this. But she says, I just got back from Cuba and I'm unpacking. And I feel a strong feeling of... Uh, that God is, is speaking something to Cuba, and I, he just put it in my spirit that I needed to tell you, and uh, I'm going to pray into that. If you want me to even head it or whatever, let me know. Let me know what this means to you, to the church. So when she tells me Cuba the next day, now, now I'm freaking out because, <laughs> because I, I pray about it on Saturday. Nally Machado tells me she has a, week, a, a, a dream two weeks ago, and she tells me the next day Sunday, and then Vanessa tells me on Monday, Cuba as well. So I'm like, okay, these are three days um, in a row that the Lord is telling me to go to Cuba. And I don't want to be the guy that's drowning in the water and said, Lord. I was waiting for you to save me. And he says, I came one time with a helicopter and I dropped a lifesaver. The second time I came in a boat and I, and I brought you to help. And the third time. So... By the third time, I said, okay, I'm not going to ignore this. And then when I met with Astra her second time, and she says, I feel like God has told us to go to Cuba. I looked at her, and I didn't know how. I didn't know how it was going to happen yet. We didn't even have all the details yet. We didn't even know how we were going to get into Cuba. We haven't even done our homework. I just looked at her, and I said, we're going to Cuba. Because it was too obvious already from the, 
from the three revelations to then asterisk that it was God making the decision for us and he was calling us to live in faith and see if we would walk in the obedience, in obedience and fulfill his purposes for us and for our church in Cuba. I know off the bat that from the beginning, God has connected us with two very special pastors in Cuba. Pastors that I would tell you today are not just pastors that pastor a specific small church or a one church. But these are two pastors that actually oversee two big, two big movements. One of them is almost, it's, he's, he functions in, the, in an apostolic gifting in a sense, where he's an overseer of many churches and of many pastors. And that is the man that God gave us. And we stayed with him. And, and we, we, we hung out with him. And here is a man with a lot of movement in Cuba. A man who is very respected in Cuba. Why would God connect us with him out of everyone? And we knew that God was giving us divine appointments in Cuba from the moment we landed. The second guy is a man who right now has started a, an organization called Pastores Unidos para Cuba. And he is the president of that movement. And he's the guy alone in one day in which we met with 30 pastors. And we said again, wow, this is a divine connection with another pastor that's respected and has a lot of movement in Cuba. So all the details, I don't know what it looks like, but Astrid said something up here and we take it by faith. We're, we're going to go again. Cuba's a little bit different. Cuba's a little bit, it's not just like a third world country. It's not just somewhere we could go with 40 people. Uh, wow, this is crazy. The pastor that I just spoke about just texted me right now. <laughs> I'm not even lying to you. And he said, solo quiero bendecirte y desearte un lindo domingo. La foto es la reunión de la directiva previo a la cumbre pastoral. I don't know if I read it right, <laughs> but I put all this stuff in Google Translate, and I communicate to my Cuban friends now. And <laughs> hallelujah. So, you know what, let's send them a video. I don't know if, if this is... This is Pastor Sandy. Pastor, Sa Pastor Sandy, ¿cómo estamos? Aquí estamos en la iglesia ahora mismo hablando de usted. Y mira la iglesia. Saluda, iglesia. Te queremos mucho. Bendiciones. How is the Spanish? All right. All right, let's see if it sends. I'll tell you if he repeats. What? <laughs> Welcome to church. Welcome to, this is how we do it here. But, uh, but God, but, but, but uh, I mean, God, that's awesome that he just, you know, texts right now. But, um, so God is doing something special, you know. Um, I, I want to share something very powerful that happened. I want to get into something that I feel God put in my heart to share with you. The, one of the last days there, which we got back on Tuesday of that week, but on Monday with Pastor Sandy, we met with 30 different pastors on the last meeting. So we had three sets of meetings, and it was late already. I was, we were exhausted. I know I was drained. Um, and um, the last set of meetings, we, 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 we spoke. We got to, they got to hear our story. We got to hear some of their stories. Then they started to talk about stuff in Cuba that they're doing. And you have pastors from all denominations getting together on the 17th or the 16th. And they're, they're doing a huge event together. Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, all getting together and having a massive event together. It's beautiful. So when everything ends, we give them some of the thank Thank you guys. Some of you guys gave. We gave away all the stuff that you gave. We, um, and, and those that Astrid made connections with that gave to Astrid. We gave away coffee because they need coffee. You know how crazy it is in Cuba that they don't drink Cuban coffee? 
en, en Cuba de, de, de chicharo chicharo verdad otro they, they get the chicharo and they and they smash the chicharo and they drink chicharo and they pretend like it's coffee and so I mean whatever let's just pause there for a moment because it's unreal and so we took coffee to everyone and coffee there was like gold it was like the bars of coffee was like giving bars of gold it was like oro it was like gold on these we're like oh coffee and um we gave the clothes, the shoes. Um, Jackson saw the video. He's like, that's my toy. You know, we gave it. <laughs> we got rid of a lot of Jackson's toys. Amen. And, uh, and that was special. But um, on one of the nights, on one of the nights there, a pastor came up to me. He's not that old, the young guy. And he said this to me. And I'm going to say it in English, but it's so more impactful in Spanish. I think everything is more impactful. I think worship is more impactful in Spanish, too. The words are just beautiful. But he, he came up to me. He goes, I want to, talk, I want to say something to you. And he says, um, he said, listen, I, I know. He goes, well, he says, 12 years ago, my life was transformed. I, I was converted 12 years ago. Before I was converted, I was a devout, a strong communist. I used to um, um, drive tanks, fly planes, and I hated Americans. Um, I wouldn't even speak to Americans, and what I would do and say was very distasteful towards Americans. When Christ came into my life, scales came off, and I began to experience love, and I saw the darkness that I was in. So the Lord set him free. And then he says this to me. He says, so I want to tell you this. I know that for you guys being family of Cubans that have left this land, the next generation, I know that it's, it could be very difficult. His words were so deep and so profound. He said, I know that some of your families still have a lot of hatred towards this place. They have a lot of anger towards Cuba. They have a lot of hatred towards the land and towards the people. There's still a lot of bitterness, and it's a very sensitive matter. And I know for, some, for, for your church and for you, it's very difficult to do this. And then he says this. A Cuban pastor says, but I want to thank you today. And I want to thank you today because you're the next generation of Cubans. From the families that left here, God is raising up a next generation. And I want to thank you for being that generation that comes back to this land and forgives the land and loves the land and forgives the people and loves the people. He says the Cuban people need to be loved again by your generation, by the Cubans that left. The Cuban people need to be forgiven again by your generation, by the generation of those who have left. And I just want to thank you. Man, and that rocked me. Because that is so deep, that is so spiritual. Me and my wife got to, uh, and we'll keep this personal for now, but we got to experience something right away. The next day, I got, we walked into something in Cuba that we know right off the bat. What that man told us on Monday, uh, something happened in Cuba the next day that as me and my wife were talking about it when I got back, we knew that it was almost a, a fulfillment of what that man is saying, that we're being called the next generation. And in that, in helping aid some of the churches there, it's also healing the land, restoring the pockets that we could occupy, and especially the Cubans that have heard, that have felt, and that have seen things from American Cubans. And we're going to go back with the grace, with the love, and the compassion of Jesus Christ. And we're believing what that pastor said. To go back and forgive the land and the people and to go back and to love the land and the people. 
And that's going to bring back restoration to every single person, even if it's one by one. One by one, restoration to people. Amen? Amen. So it was a very powerful moment. And God, God bless you guys. Thank you guys for coming today. Um, and I, I want to kind of get into something. If you could open up your Bibles to John chapter 3, very straight to the point. And I want to share this thought with you. I want to I really speak into your lives today because something that spoke to me was the word freedom, as you saw in the video. And um, I did get to see freedom in a place where it is um, for years, for years before even the regime that is there now, it's been ridded with corruption. Because before that there was corruption and then came communism and all that. And, um, and, 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 and you can imagine what that looks like. The buildings and the, the I mean, our, our, the church that we stayed at, in the corner of it was the marketplace for that neighborhood. And I can't tell you that the marketplace was completely empty. That the pastor says, ¿Tú crees eso? Mira para eso. And he told me, this is the marketplace of this community. Mira para adentro, no hay nada. Increíble, he told me, increíble. You know? And they just learned how to live like that. They've learned to live that um, if you see, um, one of the things that he told us was, if you see spaghetti sauce, there's going to be one brand and one amount of spaghetti sauce only. You grab the spaghetti sauce because you never know. You might not see spaghetti sauce again in Cuba for months. So you take it. Now you might say, today I want to go eat spaghetti. You think you want to eat spaghetti. Because you grab the spaghetti sauce, but then there's no pasta. So one of the Cuban ladies who's a pastor's wife says, the Cuban woman has learned. What's the word that she used? She's learned how to be a, a, an inventor. An in, uh, the Cuban woman is an inventor in the kitchen. And she says to her husband, she goes, Este hombre no sabe lo que pasa, la, que, o how do you say, lo que, el trabajo de la, de la, de la mujer cubana, o algo así, Because they have to grab stuff from the kitchen, whatever's there, and they have to create their own meal. Yeah. The husbands come home to eat, and the wife has to create magic from a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and create a meal. And um, it's unreal when you see it. Um, no juice throughout all of Cuba for kids that are dying in the hospital. No juice until we finally found juice and we had to, like, hold it. And then everything is portioned out. Okay, you can only take three juices. He can only take three juices. You just can't say, I want to buy the whole roll. No, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's a certain amount, and it's sporadic, and uh, it's portioned out. It is crazy when you're there. But God is calling us there. I believe it. Um, we're praying and we're believing um, again in the summer. And with that, um, um, we know that it won't just be one time, but we know that the beginning process will begin. Uh, our desire and our heart would be we want to take every single one of you. But you guys know because we are a mature church, amen? amen. And because we are a, a church uh, with God's vision and God's heart, amen? amen. That uh, everyone can go. So we need to look at what is needed there and who are some of the people that we can take that could fill in uh, some of those things that are needed. So there's a lot of stuff that you need to pray about in us making decisions. And, um, but yet it's not just, we don't, we're, we don't believe it's just a one-time deal. Um, we believe that God is going to give us the wisdom and, and lead us and we could only take a short amount of people. We can't go over there with 40 people. It's impossible. It's not going to be good. So, so we have to be very careful, um, very intentional. 
And, um, and one of the ways that you could help out, even if, if you're not going to go, is we need your prayer. We need your support. we got to start fundraising. we got to start doing things. A lot of these churches need help with construction, and a lot of these churches need help with their children. A lot, we, and we're going to go over there, and we're going to see how God could use us. And um, I'll stay quiet in this sense. I believe that there's even a continual and a deeper vision um, that God is going to show us as we continue to deepen our walk in obedience. And we'll see what those doors that open up will look like. So, so keep that in prayer. Keep the ones that will be going in prayer. I know every single one of you would want to come up to and say, hey, count me in. We wish it could work like that. Trust me, our heart is, yeah, absolutely, come in. Um, but we obviously know that this is a different kind of trip. And um, it's, a different, it's a different kind of government. So we just can't sketch in everyone that says, count me in. Um, it's going to be very difficult, very hard. But we believe that um, it's going to be more than once. So, so just come, get alongside, and let's do this as a church. And let's see what God does with this. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Um, I want to, before I get into the word, are you, is everyone in John chapter 3? Yes. I want to do something. I should have put a picture up there. Please forgive me. But in our church, this is, this is interesting. In our church, we have a, a group of individuals that are answering a call to more. And I give them an assignment. I gave them two. Well, there's another one coming up next year. But I said, I want you to create and do a community outreach. And I want you to work together. And it was so beautiful yesterday. If you did not go, we still love you. Go to the next one and support this group, support our church. But, um, but this group that we're calling MORE um, went over there and they worked together and they started to wash cars and they were praying for people and they really showed the heart of our church and more importantly, the heart of God. And um, we just thank them and we honor them. And um, our community was served yesterday and um, we did free car washes. If people wanted to give, we're going we're gonna to donate it anyways. But, um, but God did something beautiful. I want to give a hand to those that helped out in the car wash yesterday. Amen? Praise God. They worked hard. You, you, would, you would be very proud of them. You would be very proud of them. And I'm very proud. I, like like as, a, as a spiritual father and pastor of this place, it's like just joy. Like, wow, that's my family. And, and it really, I went home happy and we were very successful to the point that everyone's like, can we have another one? Can we do another? <laughs> Let's see if summer, we could do another one in the summer or something. We'll figure it out. Amen. John chapter 3, um, we're there, and I want to just share a thought with you, and I hope it ministers to you, you know. And, and here, here's kind of something that I wanted to share with you, you know. Sometimes when, and, and this is a word that God was giving me in Cuba, and I shared it to the pastors, um, this thought. And I want to kind of deepen it a little bit today, because what does that mean for Arnest? Talking about Cuba, but let's now talk about us, amen? You know, sometimes uh, a person's life a, a person's life with the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that is a person that walks in the Holy Spirit. You guys know what I'm trying to talk about? You guys know what I'm saying there? A person that is led by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. Sometimes that individual's life is not understood. Sometimes that person's life is not understood. When I, when I, when I, when I, uh, years ago, when I turned in my resignation and I left my job and I packed up a little, my brother-in-law's Volvo and I left to Ohio, never to come back to Miami, to go pastor in another side of the world if God allowed me to, it was, it was because I felt like that was at a point in my life where God was leading me and I had to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people, even I would call them mentors in my life, pulled me aside and tried to persuade me that maybe I wasn't really hearing from the Holy Spirit. And I started to recognize that when you are led by the Holy Spirit, it's not fully understood. And sometimes it's not fully understood by the very ones that you look at are the ones that pour into your life. Sometimes it's your very own families. Sometimes it's your very own church. And I've learned something very important to accept this, 
that it doesn't need to be understood. To be led by the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily need to be understood. Let's be very honest here. The life of Jesus was not one that was fully understood by people. And trust me that we could go into Scripture and we could prove that 100%. But listen to this. His life was not understood, but if you study the life of Christ, have you recognized this? It always attracted people. The one who is led by the Spirit, it was not understood, but there was something about Christ that accepted people. I actually do believe, please listen to this. I actually do believe if Christ is living in you, you, you actually draw more people to you than you actually do reject more people. There are pockets of people that you're going to reject from you, but there's such a hungry and dark world that longs for your food that you have and longs for the light that you shine. And trust me that if Christ is in you and you're not attracting people, there might be something wrong with the light. Okay, but let's get back into this. There might be something wrong with the bread that you're handing out. It might have mold in it. And you're like, come pan, come pan, come pan. Y todo el mundo está diciendo, yo no voy a comer el pan ese. <laughs> that pan has mold. You know what I'm trying to say? But when you have the bread of life and you're handing out bread, it attracts people. When you have water and you're gushing and you're just slapping people in the face with it because they're thirsty, people want more. But if your water is vinegar, you know, like, uh, you know, so whatever. But you would get it. The life of Jesus was one that was not fully understood. But I will say it did attract many. And, and I think most of you would agree with me. In John chapter 3, I asked you to turn there. I'm only going to turn to two passages. In John chapter 3, Jesus Jesus had a very important encounter and conversation with a man called Nicodemus. We've heard that story. You know that story. And Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a religious leader. And he comes to Jesus. And he comes really to Jesus in secret. And he comes to question him. And I think he comes to secret for so many different reasons. We could talk about the different reasons why Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the secret. But I do believe that in the midst of every reason why we could say he came in a secretive way, I do believe that Nicodemus comes hungry and thirsty. He comes with questions because he's longing for answers from Jesus himself. Now, I think that Nicodemus, or I'm not going to say I think because we know it in Scripture. I know in Scripture Nicodemus was totally different from the rich young ruler. If you remember, the rich young ruler also came to Jesus with questions. But he wanted salvation. He wanted the kingdom. But what happened with the rich young ruler? He wanted salvation. He wanted God's kingdom. But he wanted it without living in faith. He wanted it without living, being led in the spirit. And that was not going to work for the rich young ruler. The Bible says that he walked away sorrowful. We know that story, correct? But Nicodemus is totally different. Why? Because the life of Nicodemus, being a religious man, being a Pharisee, listen to this. Nicodemus goes deeper than the rich young ruler goes. He asks a question. He didn't like the answer. He walks away sorrowful. But Nicodemus says, give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more. And his question leads to an answer that leads to another question that gives an answer that gives another question. Because why? I'm not walking away from you, Jesus, until I'm fully satisfied. And I believe that Nicodemus receives his satisfaction faction because later on he stands before the council and he defends and he speaks on the behalf of Jesus Christ the Messiah of Israel Nicodemus is, is a rare it's a rare story and he goes deeper because his soul was truly longing and he says how can I be born again at this age and what does the Lord say you know you must be born again if you want to inherit eternal life you got to be born again and he says how can I be born again I am old. Am I supposed to go back into my mother's womb at this age? You see the philosopher thinking? You see the mind going off? 
This is a deep conversation. How does a man who is grown enter back into his mother's womb and be born again? Because, because born again has nothing to do with a physical, with a physical birth. It had everything to do with Jesus now saying, I'm introducing something spiritual. It's a spiritual manifestation of something new. So, so it's, he didn't understand this. So Jesus now tells him in John chapter 3 verse 8, something very direct, something very important. You should highlight it if it's not highlighted already in your Bible. And he says this, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it. But you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. I know we have different technology now and you have apps that you could probably just click on and it tells you exactly where the wind is blowing. But you have to understand that in Jesus' time, there was no iPhone with apps that would tell you exactly where the wind was blowing. (laughs) And even with your apps, the number one people that are always wrong, who are they? The The weatherman, the meteorologist. My God, you can't listen to them. The hurricane's coming, the hurricane's coming, the hurricane's not coming now anymore, then it comes again, then it doesn't come. Come on, we're in 2019. You should have technology to know exactly where it's going. All right, let's get back into this stuff. So the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. How many of you have read this verse before? Amen. And then look what he says next. So so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And I want us to understand this. Listen. I know what this passage means. This passage has a lot of theology in it. It's a theological statement, actually. So I know what this passage means. And, and I know what Jesus is referring to. It's, it's, and, and, and I know what Jesus is doing here. What Jesus is doing is he's using a play of words. I don't know if you know that. We're reading from an English Bible today, but it wasn't necessarily written in English, and Jesus was not speaking the English language. So Jesus uses a Greek word for spirit here that so are those who are born in the spirit. And and that word spirit, it's funny that Jesus uses a Greek word that is also translated or it also means wind. And Jesus happens to use that word. And I understand what the theology is in that statement. That to be born again, listen, is through the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. And that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. How do I know that? Because he goes on some chapters later in John chapter 6 verse 63. And he says what? Jesus' very own words. He says, it is the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit who gives life and the flesh is no help. Profits nothing. Those are Jesus' exact word. So it's it's the Spirit who gives life. So I understand what he is telling Nicodemus here. So as I read this, I do know this, that the Holy Spirit, Jesus uses the Spirit as the word wind. And the Holy Spirit, just like the wind, I believe, it goes where it wishes. Who stands before God and tells God what to do? Who stands before God and tells God what to say? Who's going to be able to stand before God and tell him, from here your reign is over? No, that does not happen. And the Holy Spirit being God himself as well, I believe that the Holy Spirit, this wind, it goes where it wishes. And you may not know where the Holy Spirit is coming from or where it's going. And I want you to understand what I mean here. That when the Holy Spirit comes out of nowhere, have you ever been there where where you're having a conversation with someone, you're at a place, you're, you're doing something, and out of nowhere... Boom, the Holy Spirit shows up and he changes the plans. Have you ever been there? Or he changes the words. I went to Cuba with a message prepared to preach. And two minutes, two minutes before the pastor was already giving 
the introduction to call me and I'm sitting down with a pen. I looked at Astrid. I said, Dame una pluma, dame una pluma. And I'm rewriting my whole message. I'm writing verses down. And I had to go up there and say, I'm not preaching with the message that I came with, but I'm going to preach to you the message that the Holy Spirit just gave me two minutes ago. And here it is. And he gave me a whole message about freedom. And it's crazy because we saw a deliverance. We saw a manifestation. We saw something glorious. I wonder if we would have seen such a move from God if I would have preached the prior message or because we were obedient to be led by where the wind blows, then we got to see the fruit of that wind that is blowing. Oh man, I just felt something in my spirit when I said that. Because I believe that God is calling us to be a children that are being moved by the presence and by the spirit of God. And when he takes us, he opens doors that no man can open. And he closes doors that no man can close. Because no one can shut the hand of the Holy Spirit. And this is so powerful, I believe this, man, that the Holy Spirit sometimes can come out of nowhere and he speaks all of a sudden and it's like a wind. What just happened? I don't know. It was like a wind. I was in worship just a moment ago and I was fine. I have a migraine actually as I'm speaking to you. And as I'm standing right there, I promise you, I felt like, a holy, like the wind just hit me. I have no idea where it came from. I'm not going to tell you it was Tito's anointing. And I'm not going to tell you it was Betsy's anointing. And I'm not going to tell you it was... Um, Lou Rock's anointing by strumming and, and Vanessa's anointing. It was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I felt a wind just blow. And I said, I said something very specific today in worship to the Holy Spirit. I said, either I'm going to allow this to take me or I'm going to harden my heart and not allow myself to enter into a great place of presence. How many of you come into a place of worship and you stop yourself from entering a great place of presence? Because you find yourself and what may happen much more greater than just being led by the Holy Spirit. So I just had to just be broken. Be broken. Who cares? Who cares? What are they going to think about me? Trust me. Some of those people that you're worried about what they're going to think about you, they desire to be broken the way God's calling you to be broken before his presence. What happens is, what happens is their brokenness is going to come before his presence. It's going to come when you start to derramal, right? When you start to pour out your brokenness before the presence of God. And when people start to show their brokenness before the presence of God, that stuff's going to trickle down to the whole family. And the whole family becomes broken. Because if auntie's broken, then nephew's broken. If grandpa's broken, then grandson's broken. If papa's broken, then mama's broken. If mama's broken, then sonny's broken. If sonny's broken, then sonny yet is broken. I couldn't think of a female name. You guys are with me? The wind can be blowing. It's moving, it's blowing, and it could be blowing right now into this family. And the wind can be blowing in a living room as well, and in a church in Cuba, and an underground church in Iran, all at the same time. That stuff is crazy. That right now we could feel just a move of God, and at the same moment, China, or in the same moment, Iran, or in the same moment, Cuba, can be experiencing the same move of God. Can't control the wind of God, amen? So I'm going to ask you these questions, and I'm going to get out of your way. In a moment, can some of us be bound right now, bound, right now, bound for the sole purpose that you don't let the Holy Spirit move in your life? Where he's not blowing. I get that you believe in the Holy Spirit. To believe in the Holy Spirit and to experience the Holy Spirit are two different things. How many of you believe in, do not raise your hand. How many of you believe in the Holy Spirit, but the next question is different. How many of you are encountering the Holy Spirit? You guys are with me with that. Taking you to places that he wants to take you, give you the words that he wants to speak through you. 
How many of us, listen, are rooted, I wrote this down just as God was giving it to me in my heart. How many of you are rooted so deep into yourself that, he can't, that you can't sense the Holy Spirit's leading and you can't hear him? And I wrote this down. Let the wind, everyone say wind. wind. Hallelujah. Let the wind break you and uproot you to lead you into his presence or in, and into his purposes. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 verse 12. Let, let's go to Romans and, and the worship team could come up here. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. I feel like reading that whole little section, and, but focusing on one verse right now. Romans chapter 8. You there? You with me? We have some croquetas that we're going to give you guys. Ahora mismo cuando salen para afuera tenemos croquetas de guayaba. Eh, eh, patelito de guayaba, croquetas de jamón. Tenemos jupiña, irombel, matepa. Dios mío. Mata. No, mata no. <laughs> If you guys only knew that the Cuban way we eat here is, is now Cuban. All right, here we go. El pastor, ustedes ordenan una medianoche. Él me dice esto. For you guys that speak English, just forgive me. I feel, I feel, the, I feel the move of Cuba falling upon me. But he goes, ustedes comen un, un medianoche. Y es increíble. Ahí hay un pedazo de jamón. Un pedazo de tomate, otro pedazo de, de, de pavo, otro. y ustedes lo llaman, oh no, no, un Cuban sandwich. Y aquí ustedes vienen de los Estados Unidos y vienen para uh, la re restaurant de nosotros. Y, y tú ordenas un sándwich cubano, creyendo que va a ser igual como en Miami. Y cuando viene un pedazo de jamón finito. Si hay queso, un pedazo de queso con el pan y ahí está tú, el, el sándwich cubano. Ustedes, están, ustedes no saben lo que son los, los sándwiches cubanos de verdad de Cuba. My God. And we, we're eating, a, I want a Cuban sandwich and we're eating this. And we think that this is how they do it in Cuba. And the Cubans are like, that's not how we do it in Cuba. <laughs> oh, man, Lula. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lord, you know, we laugh. Oh, my God. We laugh not in mockery. We laugh not in mockery, right? We laugh in amazement. I don't know how to translate that in Spanish, but we don't laugh in mockery. We laugh in amazement that this exists. This stuff exists. And sometimes you can even eat that. If there's hand, I mean, it's crazy. I end with this. Romans 8. Let's go to verse 12. Let's just read the section. Tell me what you... You're going to get something out of it as you read. The word of God speaks for itself. So I, don't, I wanted to preach it, but I don't have to preach it. It says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Amen? How many of you only did what your sinful nature urges, urged you to do, but you're now living in a different place where you no longer live by what your sinful nature urges you to do? That's powerful. For watch this, for if you live by its, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you see the Spirit there, see the wind blowing, see freedom there. There's freedom in the Spirit, but in the power of the Spirit, if you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. 
for some who are led. No, but for all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God, depending on what translation you're reading, sons of God. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. I'm no longer a slave to sin. That's the, that's the verse. I am a child of God. That's the verse. Instead, you receive God's spirit. He adopted you as his child. And you call him now what? Abba. What does that mean? We've preached this before. It's a place of intimacy, a recognition of knowing. It's a place of I'm situated in presence. Abba, Father, for his spirit joins our spirit to affirm that we are God's children and since we are his children, we are heirs and together in fact with Christ, we're heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. That's next week as we continue to talk about use your pain. But I want you to focus on this, these verses. Specifically verse 14. He says what? For all who are led by the spirit of God are what? Come on, seriously, we're going to end. We're going home. We're leaving. But you need to decide. Are you led by the Spirit of God? Are you led by the wind? If you are, then you're a child of God. But if you're not, I mean, the Bible says it. So are the children, the sons of God. The sons of God, yes, and I wrote this down because I want to make sure we know this, right? The sons of God, yes, they're rooted in His Word. Absolutely 100% we are rooted in his word. But we are also led by the spirit of God. This is a church that we're going to decide to always be led by the spirit of God. And that's why sometimes we won't preach. And that's why sometimes maybe we won't sing. Or some, why? Because we're going to be led by the spirit of God. Sometimes things will just be sporadic out of craziness. Why? Because if the Holy Spirit led it, it's going to show fruit. And we've got to be led by the Spirit of God. We're led by the Spirit, but there's order. We're led by the Spirit, but there's structure. We're led by the Spirit because God is not a God of confusion. It's good to read, man, and it's good to memorize. But a son not just reads and not just memorizes, but a son and a daughter is also uprooted. Uprooted. Uprooted from what? Uprooted from sin. Uprooted from fear uprooted from pride you're uprooted from yourself and you're rooted in the kingdom and you walk in obedience as the Holy Spirit leads you son and daughter so how many of us need to receive freedom today where you're rooted maybe too deep in the things of yourself and being rooted too deep in yourself you'll never you'll never allow yourself to go to where the Holy Spirit may want you to go. How many of you, do, please, you don't have to raise your hand. You could come up for prayer. But listen, how many of you know that the Holy Spirit is calling you someplace, somewhere, to do something specific? But you can't activate it because you're too caught up in yourself. How many of us can answer the call to finally begin to walk in liberty and at this very moment be fully led by the Spirit of God? The wind blows, John 3, 8, where it wishes, and you hear the sound. But you can't tell where it comes from and where it's going. And so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to close off in a moment in prayer here.
And as the worship team sings over you, sings over us here for a moment and gives worship to the Lord, I want to ask this question. Can you, if your method to really um, search within is to close your eyes, I invite you to close your eyes. But I want you to examine yourself. How many of you need to come to a place to really, to fully, to, to truly experience and live in freedom? And you know that what's stopping you is because you're not walking in the obedience of being led by the Holy Spirit. And you need to be led by the Holy Spirit today so you can begin to walk and live in freedom. Libertad, that there is freedom for you. There is freedom for you when you're led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that that's God speaking to you? With every eye closed, if, if that's you, can you raise your hand and say, I know that God is calling me today to to be led by the Holy Spirit, if that's you. And I need to walk in obedience, if that's you. No, one, no one's going to judge you. No one's going to look at you. No one's going to say, I can't believe you raised your hand. Every eye closed. I'm going to be with you today. I'm going to raise my hand with you. Church, maybe you're, you're there already. I'm still in the process of getting there. But maybe you're there. I want you to help me pray with these people. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Come on, let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I lift up my hands and surrender. I recognize that I must be uprooted from myself to be rooted in you. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Teach me to walk in obedience. And be led by your spirit. As I walk in obedience. As I'm led by your spirit. I believe right now. That I will begin to encounter freedom. Freedom like never before. A freedom. That only the Holy Spirit can bring. Teach us. Let your wind blow over us and let us live in this freedom. Obedient to the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Come on, can you give God some praise? Come on, let's do this real quick. Let's sing this song one more time to the Lord. And if you said that prayer, I want you to worship. If you want to come up here, come up. But I want you to worship the Lord and say there's freedom. I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit. And let there be freedom forevermore.